You may be seated. This morning's New Testament scripture is found in Matthew 27, verses 62 through 28, verse 9. You can find this on page 1061 in your pew Bibles. But first, pray with me. Gracious God, we are overwhelmed by your power and might. We cannot comprehend your love and sacrifice for us. We are so undeserving, and yet you desire a relationship with us. Thank you for giving your your word through scripture. We know that it is infallible and inspired by you. Quiet our hearts and minds that we may hear what you have to say to us now. Transform our lives so that we may be conformed to your image. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. Matthew 27 Verse 62. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that impostor said, while he was still alive, After three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people, He has risen from the dead. And the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you you seek Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here. He is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Thank you, Karen. You've been with us this last uh, few weeks uh, during the season of Lent. You know that we've been walking our way through the Psalms, the great school book of prayer, according to Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson says that the Psalms are the great school book of prayer because they teach us how to pray. In the Psalms, we find beautiful prayers of adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. They are collections of prayer that were originally prayed and then later sung. In fact, when I was in seminary, Princeton Seminary, during Lent, we would often uh, have a cantor, a soloist, uh, lead us in the singing of a psalm. And I imagine this works really well if everybody can sing, uh, because we wouldn't have an organ or any extra instrumentalist. It would just simply be him, us, singing a cappella. But the fact is, not everyone could sing at Princeton Seminary. And I'm not so sure about us today here, to be honest. Uh, 
I know I can't sing, so I'm not going to do that for you. But because this is the final psalm, Psalm 150, and it is Easter Sunday, I want us to do a responsive reading if we can. So I'm going to read one line, and then I'm going to ask you and invite you to sing, the, to read, don't sing, read the next line, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll read the last line together. Psalm 150. It may be found on page 668 of your pew Bible. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Please join me as we pray. Gracious and loving God, we come here this morning to praise you, to worship you. We thank you, Lord, for your written word. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit who inspired men to put pen to paper. And God, we pray that by your spirit now you might speak through me, that the words of my lips and the meditation of all of, your, of our hearts might be acceptable in your holy sight. Through your son's precious name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. It was the summer of 1994. I was studying Spanish in Mexico, abroad. I was immersing myself in Mexican culture. After all, we had just recently signed NAFTA to the North American Free Trade Agreement. And as a business major at Trinity University, I figured the best thing I could do is go to Mexico, immerse myself in the culture, because I knew that we would be doing a lot of work with Mexico in the future. Well, I was walking home from class one afternoon, and all of a sudden people came filing out of their their buildings and their homes and they started yelling viva mexico which means long live mexico people were honking their horns waving mexico flags yelling viva mexico this one young man got right in my face with his beer breath and his large mexican flag and waving at my face saying viva mexico he was inviting me to say viva mexico Well, I had just come out of my Mexican history class that was in Spanish, and I certainly love the Mexican culture, and so wanting to be a part of the festivity, I said, Viva Mexico! And we all began to shout, Viva Mexico! Viva Mexico! Viva Mexico! Well, after saying Viva Mexico about three times, I began to wonder, why are we yelling Viva Mexico? (laughs) I mean, yeah, sure, I love the Mexican culture, but what's the big deal? This is not Cinco de Mayo. It was the middle of June. (laughs) We were closer to the 4th of July than we were to the 5th of May. So why were we yelling, Viva Mexico? Well, I saw this young man in the sidewalk, and I turned to him and said, Que paso? Which means, you know, what's up? And he explained to me that what had happened is the the Mexican soccer team had just tied the Italian soccer team in the World Cup (laughs) in the first round. (laughs) A tie? Now, you can call me a silly gringo or a crazy American, but... uh, I can't imagine any of our cities having a celebration because we tied somebody in the first round of a tournament. Clearly, the Mexicans love their soccer. They love it so much that they were able to convince me to join me to join them in their celebration of something I didn't even really support. <laughs> Have you ever found yourself doing that? Caught up in the festivities, an event that you find yourself cheering for, something you're not even sure you really support? I do this every Super Bowl. (laughs) I'm a Cowboys fan. It has been years and it will be years until we get back to the Super Bowl. (laughs) But every year I watch the game and I pick a team to root for. And like this year it was the Broncos, not much to root for this year. 
I'm not, I'm not really a Broncos fan, but you've got to root for somebody, right? And, and so you start cheering for a team, and you find yourself high-fiving and, and yelling at the television, even though you're really not that big of a fan of that particular team. Yeah, I'm a Cowboys fan. I just get caught up in the festivities of the Super Bowl from time to time, even though I really don't support the team that I'm cheering for. You know, Easter, Easter can be a lot like that for us if we're not careful. Now, we all know why we're here this morning. We're here to celebrate the reality of the resurrection, that Jesus is risen. But sometimes... Sometimes we can get, got so, get so caught up in the festivities of Easter that we forget why the resurrection is so important. We get caught up in hunting Easter eggs, putting on our Sunday best, taking the perfect picture for our Easter uh, Sunday, that we lose sight of the resurrection and what it really means for all of us here today. Well, not this Easter. Not today. Let's turn again to our text in Matthew So we can remind ourselves of what the resurrection really is all about. Matthew chapter 27, verse 62, we read, The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate. What is the next day, the day after preparation exactly? Well, as you remember, uh, Jesus was crucified on Friday Jesus had come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover feast, which was on Thursday night. As you recall from our Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday services, the Jews were in a real hurry to make sure Jesus was crucified on a Friday. They did not want to kill him on their Sabbath, which is Saturday, a day of holy rest. In fact, the Sabbath for Jews actually begins Friday night. And Friday is viewed as the day of preparation because Jews would spend Friday preparing meals that they might eat on Saturdays where they could rest and, and focus on worshiping God on Sabbath, Saturday. Matthew wants us to know that on the day, the chief priests and the Pharisees should have been worshiping God according to Jewish law on the Sabbath. They were actually working. Now, what were they working to do exactly? Let's continue reading. And said, Sir, remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, the order to, to uh, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people, He has risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. On the day that the Pharisees and the chief priests knew that they should be resting and worshiping God, the Pharisees and chief priests are actually working to make sure that no one steals the body of Jesus and then goes on to declare that Jesus has risen from the dead. Now, why would the Pharisees and chief priests go to so much trouble to make sure that Jesus' body stays in the tomb? Why would the Pharisees and chief priests be so concerned that the disciples of Jesus might steal Jesus' body and they declare that Jesus had rose again from the dead? Why were they going to such efforts on the Sabbath day, the day that they should be resting and worshiping God? Well, the Pharisees and the chief priests went to such lengths to make sure that no one moved the body of Jesus because they knew That the resurrection of Jesus would change everything. You see, Jesus had prophesied that on the third day he would be raised. But no one really expected that to happen. 
did they? When Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, come to the tomb, according to the Gospel of Mark, they come bringing spices because they plan to anoint Jesus' decaying corpse as an act of devotion. These women had zero expectation that Jesus would rise again. Otherwise, they wouldn't have brought spices, would they? But they brought spices to, to lay those spices on a dead body. The two Marys had seen the soldiers crucify Jesus. These two Marys had seen Joseph of Arimathea place Jesus' body in the tomb. They knew, or they thought they knew, that Jesus was dead. Everyone thought that Jesus would remain dead. No one thought that Jesus would really be raised. The Pharisees and the chief priests asked Pontius Pilate to secure the tomb, not because they thought that Jesus would be resurrected, but they were afraid that the disciples might steal Jesus' body and then say that Jesus had been risen. No one thought that Jesus would be raised on that third day, even though Jesus had said he would be raised. Is God. God had other plans. And the resurrection of Jesus, it changes everything, doesn't it? the resurrection of Jesus hadn't really happened, we wouldn't be here, would we? If the resurrection of Jesus hadn't really happened, the church would not exist, Easter would not be celebrated, and the Gospels would have never been written. At least they wouldn't be called Gospels, because Gospel means good news. And if Jesus hadn't been risen, it wouldn't be good news. It would be sad news, devastating news, because it would simply end with the death of Jesus. If the resurrection hadn't happened... Jesus would be viewed as just another rebel who was crucified on a cross by the Roman government. If the resurrection hadn't really happened, the disciples would have most likely stayed in hiding. They would have not have boldly preached the gospel and willingly died for their proclamation that Jesus Christ alone is Lord because he's risen from the dead. If the resurrection had not happened, would people be praying to Jesus today? sharing Jesus, singing about Jesus, writing books about Jesus? According to Time Magazine, regardless of one's personal faith system, Jesus is still viewed as the most significant person in the history of the world. Would that be true if Jesus had simply died on a cross like so many other criminals of his day? Yes, the resurrection changes everything. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything because ultimately the resurrection of Jesus offers confirmation, assurance, and transformation. C-A-T. Confirmation, assurance, and transformation. Confirmation. The resurrection of Jesus serves as the great confirmation of all that Jesus said. Because as we look at Matthew chapter 16, we can see that Jesus told his disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem to suffer, to die, and be raised on that third day. The resurrection of Jesus confirms these prophetic words of Jesus. If Jesus was right about his miraculous resurrection, then there's no reason to doubt the other things that Jesus had to say. I mean, that was the most outlandish thing that Jesus said, right? And if he was right about that, then why would we deny the other things that he said? Jesus also proved to be telling the truth in John chapter 11. In John chapter 11, as you'll recall, Jesus is invited to see Martha and Mary because their brother Lazarus has just died. Jesus has a a very pointed conversation with Martha. 
And he tells her that Lazarus, her brother, will rise again. And Martha recognizes and says, yes, Lord, I know that on the last day, as Pharisees believed, on the last day, he will rise again. But Jesus said, no, no, today he will rise again. Then Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus says this right before he raises Lazarus from the dead. Then Jesus goes to the tomb where Lazarus has been dead for four days. He tells them to roll away the stone. And and Martha's like, no, no, the body smells. But with one command of his voice, Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And he comes out. Yes, if Jesus was right about the resurrection of Lazarus, and he clearly told the truth in regards to his own resurrection, then we can probably believe the words of Jesus that we find in John chapter 11, 25 to 26, where he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. The resurrection of Jesus, it changes everything. Because it confirms, it ultimately confirms all that Jesus said. And it assures us of eternal life. As the Apostle Paul explains in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, But in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. The Bible is real clear that just as Jesus has been raised, one day we too will be raised from death to life. Just as sin came into the world through the one sinful man, Adam, now hope and resurrection come through the one righteous man, Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus proves that Jesus has defeated both sin and death on our behalf so that we can be assured of eternal life today. As the Apostle Paul continues to write in that chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If Jesus, if Jesus had not been raised from the dead, then death would have won and we would still be in our sin, condemned to eternal death ourselves. But Jesus has been raised. By a perversion of justice, Jesus was crucified on a cross on our behalf as a fulfillment of the scriptures as we find in Isaiah chapter 53. But in his resurrection, Jesus proved to be more powerful than sin and death itself. Jesus' victory over sin and death is now ours if we'll simply believe in him. Yes, the resurrection of Jesus changes everything, doesn't it? The resurrection of Jesus offers us confirmation. It provides confirmation of all that Jesus said about himself and about God and about us. The resurrection offers assurance, an assurance of our own salvation because it lets us know that Jesus' victory over sin and death is now ours when we simply believe in him. And finally, the resurrection offers personal transformation. 
The resurrection of Jesus offers personal transformation because it promises us a new life for all those who believe. As the Apostle Peter writes in his first letter, chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus has transformed us into people of hope, has it not? We have an eternal hope today. We are now hopeful because the resurrection of Jesus lets us know that death does not have the final say for those who call upon the Lord. The resurrection allows us to live in a new way, full of hope in light of the resurrection, without fear and anxiety about death. The resurrection lets us live as transformed people with courage and strength, despite what adversity we may face in this life today, knowing that this too will pass, that in the end, we're on the winning team because Jesus rose again. Yet the resurrection of Jesus helps us know that we can find comfort in knowing that one day our mourning will be turned to dancing. And so we do not mourn as those who have no hope today. No, we have the eternal hope that is found in the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus lets us know that in the end, all of those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved and will all be with Jesus someday in his heavenly Father's house where he's gone to prepare a place for each one of us. Where there's no more tears, no more pain, no more illness, only praise. Yes, the resurrection of Jesus lets us know that this life is not all that there is. One day, we'll all be in heaven, and what a joyful day that will be. Yes, with the faithful who have gone before us, we'll all be singing Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Now, I don't know about you, but when I get to heaven, I'm going to be praising Jesus with my grandmother who died in 1998, my Mimi who, who helped share the gospel with me, who prayed with me to receive Christ when I was only six years old. I can't wait to see my Mimi again. What about you? Who do you look forward to seeing in heaven? I can't wait to get to heaven because one day I'll get to be with my Uncle Ted who, who used to host us in his home every Christmas as we would celebrate the incarnation that Jesus has become one of us here on this earth. And I'll be singing praises with Uncle Ted and he'll be praying the trumpet as he used to in band and we'll be singing, playing and singing with the harp and the lyre and all the different instruments that God has made available to us. Yes, I can't wait to get to heaven because one day I'm finally going to meet my dad's dad, who I never met, who died before I ever was born. I can't wait to meet him, to get to know him, to share eternal life with him today. Who do you look forward to seeing when you get to heaven? Because right after our Easter services this morning, our elders are going to deliver these Easter lilies to all those who have lost loved ones in this past year. These beautiful Easter lilies serve as a reminder that the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. Because Jesus rose again from the dead, we can know for certain that one day we'll get to see our loved ones again. For those who are in Christ, it's never goodbye. It's simply, I'll see you later. Who do you look forward to seeing in heaven when you get there? I don't know about you, but when I get to heaven, I'll look forward to seeing Bob Bass again. Except I'm pretty sure he's going to have a full head of hair this time. (laughs) 
I look forward to seeing Abby Madden when I get to heaven because I imagine right now she's painting some beautiful scenes. She's such a great painter. I imagine she'll be painting some beautiful scenes of all that there is to see in heaven. I look forward to seeing Ed Morris when I get to heaven. I'm sure he'll be playing golf up in heaven. I look forward to seeing his wife Gladys as she's preparing some wonderful meal for us to eat. I look forward to seeing Darcy Milso when I get to heaven. I imagine she'll be teaching somebody one of her favorite board games. When I visited her in the midst of hospice, she was playing board games with her sisters because that's one of the things she loved to do, and I'm sure she'll be playing some of her favorite board games. That day she was playing Clue, which is going to be kind of a hard game to play in heaven. <laughs> Clue is a game where nobody's supposed to know who did it, right? And, well, in heaven, everybody's going to know everything, so it's going to be a hard game to play. I look forward to seeing John Maynard again. Oh, man, I can't wait to see John Maynard again. I'm sure John will be skiing or fishing or or playing golf. Everyone, everyone in heaven will be in the right mind. And they'll have resurrected bodies. There will be no more cancer, no more pain, no more illness, no more suffering. Yes, everyone, everyone will have a new resurrected body. They'll be fresh and new as we, we worship God together. Like that old gospel song used to tell us, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing it will be. When we all sing Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Yes, I can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait to get to heaven and sing Psalm 150 with all the faithful who have gone before us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's the resurrection of Jesus. It changes everything. The resurrection of Jesus offers us today confirmation. Confirmation that everything that Jesus said was true. It offers us assurance knowing that because he rose again, we too will have eternal life as Christ has today. And it offers us transformation. Knowing that we can live in light of the resurrection and be a people of hope, not despair. Yes, the resurrection changes everything. And for that, we must give God our thanks and our praise. And when the two women, the two Marys, saw Jesus, they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Who do you know who needs to be with us here this morning worshipping Jesus? Because there's only one road to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So that all that we know, so that all that we are in relationship with today might one day be with us in heaven, we need to do all that we can to bring our friends and our family members to Jesus. Who do you know who needs to be with us this morning worshiping Jesus? May we invite them to join us next Sunday as we worship him again. Please join him as he pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for the reality of the resurrection, for we know that it changes everything. It offers us confirmation of all that Jesus had to say about himself and about you and about us. Oh God, we thank you for the reality of the resurrection. We also, Lord, thank you for the fact that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have an assurance of eternal life, that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, that just as he was the first fruits of the resurrection, we will too follow him one day in glory and be with him with all the angels and all those who have gone before us worshiping him. And God, we thank you that the resurrection offers us personal transformation as now we can be a people of hope. God, we pray for all of our loved ones who are not with us today, who are now with you in glory. We pray that you would bring us comfort here to this earth today, knowing that blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. 
We find comfort in the reality of the resurrection today. Help us to share that comfort with others. Help us to share that good news with others so that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ alone is Lord. We pray this in the strong and precious name of your Son, who is the Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.